0: Hi, I'm Dennis Hester, and I'm the pastor here at First Baptist Church Wataga. and we are grateful that you have tuned in to listen to these messages, either through our podcast or on our website. And as you listen to these, our prayer is that you would hear the Lord speak to you from His Holy Word. If you're interested in learning more about the church, you can get on our website at fbcwatauga.org. From there, there's a place where you can plan a visit. You can learn more about our beliefs. You can also request prayer through the prayer request page. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'd love to get to know you. The most important thing that I'd communicate to you is as you listen to God's Word, that you find a place to get plugged into a local congregation. Whether it's here at First Baptist or another local church where you live, if you'd like information or would like us to help you find a church home, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. And you can contact us through our Facebook page. So God bless you as you listen to His Word. And may the Lord encourage you in your walk. Welcome. I am glad that you've joined us this holiday weekend, and uh, Kevin did not uh, point out that if you are watching from home, which a lot of our folks are, are joining us by live streaming, you don't have to wear a mask today. Uh, we'll leave that up to you and whoever's the head of your household. Uh, this is a strange time. This has got to be one of the the weirdest uh, July Fourth weeks uh, weekends. Uh, Obviously, of my lifetime. And uh, it's, it's, it's as though we say that almost every week. It's just weird. Uh, this spring, uh, we have faced things that we would have never imagined, and still the uncertainty of what's ahead uh, coming into the, uh, the fall. Uh, school, are we going to have school, or are we not going to have school? Uh, all of those uh, questions are still out there, and it seems that things still begin to change almost every day. And so it, it is a strange time uh, for us to navigate and to walk through this. You know, that is not, that's really life. That, that, that is how life ultimately is. We never know for sure what tomorrow holds. Uh, and nothing is ever as clean as we seem to think it is. Uh, yesterday we, of course, celebrated. Uh, our nation's Independence Day, July the 4th, uh, is the day that, that we think of as a, this clean-cut day in which um, the United States of America became its own nation. But what historians would tell us is it's just not that simple. It's not that Clear-cut, it's not that clean. In in some ways, historians will tell you that the fight for American independence uh, stretches back uh, to 1765 with the Stamp Act, when the British government really began to put pressure on the colonies to bow down and and uh, and submit to their authority. Uh, most others would point to the actual beginning of the the American Revolution and its fight for independence to uh, 1775, with the first shots fired at Lexington between. Uh, American militia and British troops. And then you come to the, the Second Continental Congress that had convened that ended up drafting and signing the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence was drafted and signed, or was drafted and voted on on July the 2nd of 1776. Uh, it wasn't finished, even though they had voted to declare independence, uh, there were 86 uh edits that were made to the document before the final document was produced on July the 4th of 1776 and the signers didn't even sign it until about a month later, August the 2nd of 1776. And so, in fact, there were five signers that still signed it after that. And so you had these men who would pledge Uh, Everything that they own would put it on the line for this dream of American independence. Uh, I want to read just two short pieces of the Declaration of Independence uh, from the second paragraph and then from the the last line of the last paragraph. Well, the most famous line that many of you will recognize is, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Many people believe that this Declaration of Independence is one of the greatest human documents ever written. I saw a guy uh, who who I consider to be a very bright historian, a very bright man, mention that next to scripture, which is inspired of God and is not of human origin. This is one of the the most uh, important and powerful documents of all of history. And when you go read, if you take time to read the language of the Declaration of Independence, it is measured, it is thoughtful, and it is beautiful. But it ends with this statement before the signers, these 56 men signed it with these words. And for the support of this declaration... With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. You know, think about these men. Many of them who were 20s, 30s, 40-year-old, landowners, wealthy, they put everything on the line for an idea. For what they believed was right, and many of them lost it. Many of them lost their lives, or they lost children, they lost wives, they lost property. Many of them paid a great price for that independence, and many of them never got to see it all the way through because see that's not where the battle ended it wasn't all of a sudden on July the 4th of 1776 yay we're free we can do, go do what we want then we were in the middle of a war and that war extended until 1781 for 5 years where this overwhelming british force oftentimes burned and destroyed homes and crops and towns and in this fight against the American revolutionaries. And that extended on for years until 1781. And it wasn't even until three years later where the final uh, treaty was signed to bring an official into that war. And some would maybe even argue, of course, you don't have the Constitution uh, that's ratified until late 1787, early 1788. And so the nation really didn't begin to get on its feet until Years later, and some would even argue that this battle against the British for our sovereignty was not over until literally 1814 when Francis Scott Key sees the Star Spangled Banner still standing in the ports of Baltimore after days of battle, after the British had just burned down the White House and Congress and the Treasury Department and several other official buildings. And so what I want you to see through this is oftentimes we look at history as a timeline and we see this one event and and we look back at that and go, oh, this is when it happened. But what we don't see are the lives that were challenged. The people who had to stand strong for week after week after week, year after year Decade after decade to see this fight for freedom and independence through. There's a time period, there's a commitment, there's a a struggle that always comes with anything that matters. And we tend to miss that, especially in our uh, microwave generation where we expect everything to happen instantaneously. Everything to happen in in, in a moment. When we want it. We want it. When do we want it? We want it now, right? And we we lose sight of what it means to wait and to struggle and to persevere. Today we come to James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. And I originally was going to just... Title this sermon, uh, How to Have Patience, or, or build it around this idea of patience. But as I work through this text, I, I believe that a better approach or a better understanding of this text is to see it as James teaching us how to deal with the struggles while we wait for the Lord to fix it. In, in particular, how we wait for the return of the Lord. How, how do we wait? How do we? work out this time? How do we live through this time of challenge and difficulty? And right now we're living through a challenging and difficult time. Well, what do we do? How do we face that? Read with me uh, this text, starting in verse 7, and we'll read down through verse 11. A scripture says, "'Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming.'" See how the father the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains? You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. I think James here gives us some good tools to help us wait for the Lord's deliverance. And and whether you're talking about waiting until the return of the Lord, or you're talking about waiting for that time when the Lord delivers you from your present struggles and trials and circumstances, this is good advice. And I built the message around really the imperatives, the three commands that we see from James here. And the first one is simply, be patient. Be patient. You're not gonna get everything when you want it on your timetable. Life just doesn't happen that way. And in fact, how long should you be patient? Well, you should be prepared to be patient until the Lord returns, until he comes. Here, you now the truth is, we live in a, with the crazy stuff going on in the news right now. You don't have to pay too close of attention to realize that there's all kinds of Christian prophets out there all of a sudden again. But you know what? Everybody thinks that, man, the whole world is worse than it's ever been. Jesus is about to come back. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. We live in a, a, a time where we hope it, he comes back. Maybe we're hoping it so he can get us out of our problem, get us out of our circumstances. But the truth is, we don't know when the Lord's going to return. I've told you this before. I'm in my 50s, in all of my life, I, I can remember and reflect on prognosticators and prophets and people who would pick up Daniel and Ezekiel and the book of Revelation. They'd read Jesus' words in Mark 13 and in Luke and, and 1 Thessalonians and, and 1 Corinthians 15. And they would dig in and they would come up with dates and they would come up with timetables and they'd come up with errors and years. And, and they've all been wrong. When I was a student at Howard P University, I got a book in the mail. 88 Reasons Why Jesus Is Coming Back in 1988. There's a little pamphlet about that thick. The next year, I got a book in the mail from the same author. 89 Reasons Why Jesus Is Coming Back in 89 and Why I Missed It in 88. And Jesus still didn't return. The truth is we don't know. And in fact, the reality is that the Father has set the date and it's on his timetable and not ours. He told the, Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter one verse eight, you don't even worry about it. That's on the Father's timetable. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus said this and this really blows us away. He says, now concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father knows. So when Jesus was on earth, even though he was fully and completely God, That must be one of those things that he chose not to hold on to, according to Philippians chapter 2, as a part of his Godhead. Because he said, the son doesn't even know when the day is that I'm going to return. Now, now that he's seated at the right hand of the father, I bet he does. But when he was on earth, he says that. That's not Dennis making it up. And so if Jesus... Didn't know what that day was. How in the world do you think you and I are going to be able to establish that date? And I've always had a little pet theory about this. And this really is just a Dennis pet theory. I think if somebody got lucky and guessed it, God would move it. He just changed the day. Because he's God and he can. And you and I don't know. So how do we approach the return of Christ? We approach it with patience. We trust the Lord and we wait on the Lord. And we do it in faith. So we're patient until the Lord comes and we're patient waiting with faith. That's how the farmer waits. The farmer takes seed. When I, I took a trip out to Throckmorton, the ranch that uh, my brother and I hunt on, and on the way out there, the farmers were out in the fields this weekend. It didn't matter if it was holiday or not. They'd gotten good rains on Thursday, and they're plowing up their fields, getting ready to plant their wheat. And so uh, the, the, they were all over out there. And the farmers, are, they're, they're breaking the soil now. They're not going to plant wheat for a couple more months. And then they're going to plant these little seeds in the ground, and they're going to leave them there, and they're going to wait. And they're going to pray for rain. And if the rain comes, those seeds are going to germinate. And if those seeds germinate, then those seeds are going to grow strong stalks. And then they're going to finally head out and they're going to have a harvest sometime in late fall, early winter. And and those farmers are looking forward to that harvest. How do they know that the work that they're doing this weekend is going to lead toward a harvest? By faith. Because last year, when they planted seed, it sprouted, it grew, and they got a harvest, and the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that. And so James is telling us that when we wait patiently on the Lord, we wait trusting like a farmer does. You know how I I believe that God is gonna provide and take care of me? Because he's done it before. And he did it before that. And he did it before that. You know, July 4th weekend is one of those difficult struggles for Susan and I oftentimes. Katie took her last breath on earth on July the 1st. And then we laid her body to rest in a memorial service at the grave on July the 5th, 16 years ago today. And so those, those numbers, those dates serve as reminders for us. And sometimes they're tear-filled reminders but always they're spiritual markers. Because see, when I go through tough times now, I can look back and remember that God took care of us then. But you know how I got through that weekend? Because I could I could look back before that and see the faithfulness of God. And I can look before that and see the faithfulness of God. And I can open the word of God and see the faithfulness of God. And because God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do, I can trust him to do what he says he's going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And so the farmer is patient, but it's not just about waiting. It's about waiting in faith with their eyes focused on the Lord. So, the second thing that we see from James here, and this may be the more difficult one for us to swallow, he says, Be patient and quit griping. Don't complain. In fact, the first point and the third point that we have here, he gives us illustrations. He didn't even give us an illustration here. James just gives it straight to us Brothers and sisters, do not complain. Quit moaning and quit griping about it. Now, as we celebrate this weekend of independence, if you, let me put it this way, and it goes, this goes back a little bit to last week's sermon about how God has blessed us as a people, especially in this nation. God has blessed this nation. If, if you... Every single one of us has been blessed beyond measure, beyond what we deserve. We have freedom to gather and worship today. Many of you have freedom of movement. You have a vehicle that you can go get into and you can drive wherever you want to. You don't have to worry about where your meal is going to come from at lunch. All you have to worry about is what you want to eat because you've got too many options it's not an issue of not having enough food in the refrigerator or not having any money in your pocket to go buy something to eat or not worried. you're not worried about there even being food on the store shelves or in the restaurant. We've got too many options. So we'll gripe about the options that we have. We are blessed beyond measure. We are blessed even to be born in a nation of such wealth and if you weren't born here, God has blessed you by bringing you here, right Stephen? God has blessed you with freedom and he's blessed us with, with abundance, above and beyond anything that we deserve. I, I saw a wonderful video yesterday and, and I don't agree with everything that comes from this guy, obviously, but, uh, but Arnold Schwarzenegger put together a video celebrating July the fourth and the, and the freedom that he found when he moved here from Austria and found people who were caring and loving. And he talked about how wonderful it was to live in a nation where he had such freedom and such opportunity to the extent that when he finally became a a, a citizen of the United States of America, he carried a flag around on his shoulders all day long and he couldn't put it down. He was so joy-filled to be able to have that freedom. We are blessed. And if you're a Christian, if you are a child of God, who your future is also certain, you have nothing to complain about. Oh, certainly there may be little thorns that, that bother us, little things that irritate us. You know, dealing with COVID, dealing with the difficulties of your senior year are tough for those seniors that walked through this it wasn't as expected and oftentimes it's those unmet expectations that make it so difficult but the reality is God has blessed you with health he's blessed you with freedom he's given you all kinds of incredible opportunity it was a generation of your your parents and grandparents who's who, who they didn't get to take senior trips their senior trips were to Vietnam my grandparents we're taking their senior trips to the shores of Iwo Jima and Normandy. Life is not always measure up to our expectations, but in reality, we live in a, in a place and we live in a time where we are blessed. And James, writing to the church who was under persecution, James told them, "Don't complain. How much more ought we to be filled with joy? And peace because of the blessings that God has poured out upon us. And so don't complain. In particular, he says, don't complain about one another. You know, your brothers and sisters in Christ are sometimes gonna irritate you, right? Sometimes you're gonna get bothered by something the preacher says, or one of the deacons says, or, or something that, that somebody you went to church with says. Sometimes those things are gonna irritate you. James says, don't, don't complain about it. When you start complaining about them, you put yourself in a position of judge. You know what? The judge is at the door. The Lord is big enough to take care of his business. He's big enough to take care of his children. He's big enough to, to settle those issues. You don't have to gripe and complain about it. In fact, it doesn't do any good. Look, there's a... Paul writes about this right after that great hymn in Philippians chapter 2 where he says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. A couple verses down, Paul says, Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you might be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you will shine like stars in the world and hold firm by holding firm to the word of life. We live in a crooked and perverse generation. Our world right now is a mess. That's Philippians chapter 2 starting in verse 14, if you want to look it up. It's not a bad verse to uh, put on your mirror (laughs) or, or to have in front of you often because we fall prey to this. What happens is we forget how blessed we are and we gripe about the little things that bother us. And Paul says, if you would do everything without griping and complaining, without grumbling and arguing in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation, you'd be like a shining star. See, as a Christian, as blessed as we are, we should be shining examples of peace and contentment and joy because of all the blessings that God has poured out on us. Even in the face of suffering and pain, we should be shining examples and shouldn't complain. And If we live life, if we walk through this journey like that with a smile on our face and filled with joy instead of complaining about everything, we would look so different than the rest of the world. We'd be like shining stars. And he doesn't just say do that during the good times because that's the third point. He says persevere, suffering and persecution. As you wait on the Lord, be patient in faith. Don't complain by faith, knowing that the Lord's going to work things out. And then finally, persevere in faith. And he gives us two examples here. He gives us the example of the prophets, and he gives us the example of Job. And brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. So we count as blessed those who have endured The prophets are a great example for us because they continued to speak the Lord's name even when it wasn't popular. They continued to speak the word of God even when it was painful, even when they suffered, even when they were facing threats to their own existence, threats to their own security, threats to their own lives. They stood strong and they endured. And we count them as blessed because they endured. We look back at them and we hold them in esteem. We hold them up as heroes because they went through it, but they continued to trust in the Lord and continued to proclaim his word. They knew that God was faithful. And so the prophets trusted the Lord. So also did Job. And he says, so consider Job. Look at how he endured, and consider the outcome and notice that in the end, the Lord was compassionate and merciful. Job faced all kinds of challenges. You all know the story of Job. Job lost his, his wealth, he lost his, all of his crops, lost his house, he lost his children. He, he lost everything except for three friends who were a thorn in his side and his wife. Who told him to curse God and die? So ultimately, the only thing that Job was left with, even when he lost his health and he was sitting in a pile of ashes using pieces of a clay pot to scrape his boils, he still refused to turn against God. His friends came and told him, look, you just need to give up, curse God and die. His wife came and said, you need to give up, curse God and die, be done with it. And Job refused to do that. Now, in the middle of Job, after hearing all this from his friends and his wife, Job struggles. And Job talks to God about it, and he complains to God, and he tells God what he doesn't think is fair. But you know what? God's shoulders are big enough to take it. And God eventually looked at Job and said, okay, enough of your speaking, it's time for me to speak. Job, you weren't there when I created this world. You don't know. You don't know how much power I have. You don't know how much authority I have. And I've summarized all of basically 40 chapters of Job in just a few moments And until Job finally relents and he says, you know what, Lord, you're right. (laughs) I don't know. You're a whole lot bigger than me. You're God. I don't have anything to complain about. You're faithful. You're trustworthy. I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. I'm gonna continue to praise and worship you. And when Job comes to that, the interesting thing was you come to the conclusion of the book of Job, it says that Job then prayed for his friends. I thought that was really cool because I would not want to pray for those guys the way that they treated me. Job prayed for his friends and then God poured out his blessings upon Job. See, Job endured the struggles. He endured the challenges. Without griping, without taking his focus off the Lord, without giving up on God... He endured, and God blessed him. And James tells us we learn from that once we endure, we come out the other side, we're reminded that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. If you were to sum all of this up, bring it all together under under a heading, it would would be that we, we come to a place until the Lord comes that we trust his faithfulness. We are patient, knowing that he's going to keep his promises because he is faithful. We don't complain, we don't gripe, we don't argue, we don't cause division, because we trust God to do what God says he's going to do. We trust him to take care of his business. He's a big enough God to do it. He is faithful to be a faithful judge. And then finally, we persevere. We can stand up under the heaviest weight, the most crushing Difficulty because we know that God is faithful and in the end, He is compassionate and He is merciful. Things may not happen on my timetable, but God's promises will always come true. Now, whether the Lord is going to come back tomorrow or next week, I I don't know. And I think anybody that gives you a date or gives you a time or gives you an hour, I think that they're walking on dangerous ground. But is the Lord going to return? Yes. One of these days, I believe that Scripture is, is, makes this promise that the Lord is going to return. We're going to see the sky opened up. We're going to hear the trumpet of God sound. And if we are already, if our spirit's already in heaven with the Lord, we're going to return with him. And those on earth are going to see a spectacle like they've never witnessed before. That day's going to come. I don't know when that day is. James seemed to think it was near. Every generation of Christians has looked forward to it, thinking it was near. Certainly hoping it was near. Had a lady after the, the first service say, you know, oftentimes I pray for the Lord's return and I look forward to it. She said, but what the Lord convicted me of this week, more often than not, it's not because I'm really wanting to see him, it's because I want him to get me out of the suffering and the struggles that I'm in right now. That's oftentimes our issue, and the truth is, he gives us instruction on how to deal with the suffering, the time, and the troubles, and the trials that we're in right now. We trust him patiently. We trust him without complaining and griping about it, and we bear up and endure, allowing his spirit to carry us through and to mature us and to make us the people he wants us to be, because he is faithful. Matthew's going to come and he's going to lead us in a closing hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. What a celebration of this truth that we can trust the Lord until he returns knowing that he is faithful. We can trust him with all of it. And we're not having traditional invitations right now as we continue to work through this this COVID crisis and this pandemic. But if God is dealing with you and you'd like to meet with with one of the pastors, we are in the offices. You can contact us and we'd love to meet with you. You can connect with us uh, online on our Facebook page, the contact card or the prayer card and reach out to us that way. Uh, But feel free to do that. And certainly if God is speaking to you as he spoken to me this week about my complaining, do business with God. If you feel the spirit of God pricking your heart as his word has been preached, don't just let that slide. Get down on your knees and spend some time with the Lord and his word and allow him to make the changes in you that need to be made.